When I speak talk pissing, uh, when I speak talk less, my ancestors get to live, you know, get to, they get to live. They sit on my tongue. And, and when I speak, it, it's almost as if like they get to be a part of that, that exchange. Life was fleeting. Like you thought you had time for people and then they all of a sudden they were gone. Spend more time with people that you don't normally spend time with because you can't take it for granted. That was Wendy Moke of PNG and Akanisi Nambalarua Vakawale Tambua of Fiji, the two amazing guests guiding us through this final episode of Vossa Season 2. Do you want to be involved in Vossa's next season? Listen in for details at the end of the episode. As always, we round off the season by celebrating creators, thinkers, and changemakers from across the Pacific, exploring what makes us tick, what motivates us, and what the future looks like in the communities and region we call home. Supported by the World Bank in the Pacific and PNG. This episode, we explore the sacred and oftentimes intimidating world of rituals and the relationship they have with our identities as Pacific people. And I think, particularly with our generation, I think it's really interesting to get our perspective because, like, we're kind of like this shifting like plates of like the old into the new, but we're still sort of, you know, kind of filling out who we like what we represent and what we want to kind of comment and change on things so I think it's kind of like a dynamic conversation to be honest it's like are we responsible enough aren't we responsible enough and like what does that look like what do we have to say but then also it's like how do we um you know really become these like authoritative figures if we're not given that permission to be Wendy Moke is a Brisbane-based Papua New Guinean actor writer curator and visual artist She understands that to bring up rituals and identity can be a touchy subject and can often bring up tensions that Pacific people face on a daily basis. We have to also acknowledge within ourselves um, as, you know, Melanesians, as Pacific Islanders, is that we are colonized people. And so those internal structures exist within us. And so we're constantly kind of sitting on that line, aren't we, of um, trying to... I guess, dismantle those internal structures that we've been conditioned into holding. And so I think we do that daily, particularly, I feel, particularly Melanesian women. Rituals shed light on who we are, our practices, our behaviour, what we aspire to and what we accept. That is complicated and complex for any culture, let alone for a region as rich and diverse as the Pacific. That doesn't just apply to the traditional. It is very much at play in contemporary events too. It can present some confronting perspectives as Wendy reflects on the developments surrounding her home country's recent elections. Seeing all the stuff surrounding the Papua New Guinean elections, like the chaos and just, it's, I mean, it's been so hard, you know, and I understand I have a level of privilege because I don't live in, you know, on home soil um, at the moment. And so it's easy for me to comment on these things while I'm offshore. But, um, you know, I'm just like, at some point, when are we going to face that this is us? This is us. Like if when if if we can be okay with women and women being treated the way that they are, that like the atrocious things that are happening, and be like, oh, that's not us as a people. I mean, at what point are we are we going to face the truth of the matter? Most of the days that you you jump online, you see it or you hear things about the stuff that's happening to our women, and it's just like. What's it going to take? 
It's a dangerous world for women anywhere. And we've got some tough conversations to have about what is deemed acceptable in Pacific cultures like Wendy's. What behavior we are enforcing through our actions, our norms, and our rituals. While never looking away from reality, Wendy calls for reflection and self-acceptance. On the other hand as well, is like to also acknowledge those things, but to be gentle with ourselves, you know, that like we are works in progress because of you know, the, our own lived experiences, but also the intergenerational experiences of our ancestors that come through us and that exist within us and that live in our, live in our bodies and, and, and come out in ways that, um, that when we hold space, you know, I think like, I think that's very common. That's very common. And I think, yeah, we, we definitely should be holding spaces to have those conversations for sure. Akanisi Nambalarua Vakawalikambua of Fiji is a lawyer and university lecturer. And while I worked so hard to avoid this all season, she happens to be a dear relative of mine. Please don't hold it against her. Independent of any link to me, Akanisi is a brilliant human who, like many Fijians and Pacific people, has come out of the pandemic with a renewed appreciation for rituals and their impacts on our lives and identities. What COVID has taught me is that, um, you know, like, yeah, yeah, the the rituals are very much a part of who we are, but at the same time, they're not like the be all and end all of who we are or who I am uh, as a person. Uh, for all these changes, you could actually, you know, you could have a funeral that was, you know, at six o'clock in the morning. Okay, this is the time you have to be there. Okay, so let's just shift our service forward. Uh, we can only have this many people. Um, and, and then I think what makes us um, resilient is that we can adapt the situations and the situations are not going to end us you know like the, the changes will not be the end of us it just means that we um, you know we have to adapt to the changes but also we um, maintain the mana of the occasion. Akanisi says sure rituals are important but when we need to adapt beyond them we can and we have because more than being just empty gestures or machinations, rituals reflect our values. So if we have to change or even go without them, we adapt and find other ways to carry our values forward. And as she reminds us, it's not just about the big flashy stuff or the by-the-book protocols. It's in the little ways we can show each other we care every day. The Solis and, you know, like always uh, reaching out to each other and making sure everyone's okay. That kind of brought those qualities forward. And, you know, you could have like small celebrations at home. We weren't just defined by, you know, births, deaths and marriages. <laughs> but but also that we were also celebrating little things like, you know, graduations are now important, um, graduating from kindergarten. Those big mile, those milestones that we thought weren't like, you know, weren't as important. We're like, OK, no, let's celebrate the little things that we can celebrate it. Like I'm sure many of us have, I've watched, enjoyed, and admired Wendy's creative work for many years. And one of the many ways she has made waves is when she proudly decided to wear her bilas, traditional Papua New Guinean wear, to her performing arts graduation. I always feel like whatever I do, I always bring my ancestors with me, period. You know, like there's never a point or anything that I'm doing that I'm separate from that. Like her ancestors, Wendy's culture and its rituals are part of who she is, 
it is always with her and never separate. I particularly learned that doing the Meri project, which is this visual arts exhibition that I did um, recently. And one of the, the women that I had the privilege of sharing space with, she said, you know, it's hard for me to think that culture, my culture is separate from me it, because it's such a part of who I am. And she said, you know, when I go to places, I carry my people in my bilum is what she said. And I just thought that was such a pro- profound thing, um, so profound that it moved me to tears when I heard her say it for the first time. And I think, like, particularly as, like, people and bodies that have been colonised, I think, like, that's some of the work that we're doing actively is, like, understanding that, like, oh, no, this isn't separate from me. My culture and my rituals are, are a part of me. They live in me. Rituals live in the real world in our actions and choices. Wendy has chosen to hold fast to her language, which she describes as a lifeline to her ancestors. Personally, how I like to um, practice this on a day-to-day is even just something simple as speaking my language. You know, that to me is a practice of of rituals, you know, because when I speak my language, when I speak talk pisin, when I speak talk less, um, my ancestors get to live, you know, get to, they get to live. They sit on my tongue. And, and when I speak, um, it, it's almost as if like they get to be a part of that, that exchange. You know, I, I have a 12 year old daughter and she speaks Tokpisin as well, you know, and, and I made that um, almost a priority uh, when she was growing. So Tokpisin is her first language because I wanted her to know who, where she was from. Similarly, Akanisi describes rituals as a lifeline, a lifeline to each other. Life was fleeting. Like you thought you had time for people and then they, all of a sudden, they were gone. In the bustle and chaos of life, in forgetting one another, we can forget ourselves. Life is precious. We are precious. And Akanisi and her family are determined to never take each other for granted. The things that you want to say, you should say when you're alive spend more time with people that you don't normally spend time with because you can't take it for granted, you know, like, you know, getting together as cousins, um, more often making sure that we were represented um, at funerals, making sure if we couldn't go to, to it, um, but also to visit people that were cousins or elders that were sickly. Um, I think it really brought that home for us. Holding fast to each other, to our rituals and ways of life doesn't have to be prescriptive. It is still our values that matter. For Akanisi, it's about being present and enjoying every fleeting moment. Experienced a funeral where the service was really early in the morning because, you know, uh, the prison's people said you had to be here by 8.30 or something. So they had the service really early. They had a wake at Albert Park that was catered. Um, It was small. They had one eulogy. And so you had like both extremes of functions that just went from zero to 100 as soon as borders lifted. And then that was like zero to 20. And people were just like, oh, this is really lovely too. Like, (laughs) um, So I think for me, it's it's not like there's no um, significant ritual for me. It's just like making sure that I'm there to celebrate things and to be present and to enjoy it. Having lost loved ones during the pandemic, Akanisi has seen a reset of sorts, of a family seeking to celebrate in the face of loss 
and appreciating the little things without needing an excuse. Getting together to celebrate the small things and purely for the joy of one another's company. I remember a relative from my husband's side and he was, this is so cool. Like your cousins get together and it's not, you're not waiting for like a funeral. Like you're looking for any excuse to just be together, like just to share and and Talano, because I was like, yeah, you know, we lost quite a few cousins during COVID, not even like the the generation above us. It was our generation. And so in that loss, we were like, okay, let's regroup. <laughs> let's start to to look at some positive, celebrate little things and not wait for like, you know, a devastating moment. As rituals evolve with the times, carrying forward the values we hold dear, we are also realizing like Akanisi's family has, that we have overlooked so many important aspects of ourselves. According to Wendy, it's time to acknowledge our greatness and our voice, particularly for Melanesian women. I am biased. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. But like particularly, you know, um, Melanesian women, you know, because we, we, we just do, we carry our entire communities on our backs and oftentimes unacknowledged and completely underrated. I'm just going to say it, you know. This became apparent on a recent creative project of Wendy's, The Mary Project, lovingly woven together from years of conversations with young Papua New Guinean women. When you're sitting down with sisters and you're talking to them, you know, and the work that I had to do for the Mary, um, for the Mary Project, you know, a lot of them came back and said, you know, no one ever hardly asked me how I am. One of the, the, the things that I learned doing it is that, like, oftentimes we're so focused on our communities on, and our families and our people that there, there's no sort of um, checkpoints for us, right? When we can be like, oh, how are you? Like, what, what's that been like for you? What are your experiences? Just taking the time to check in with ourselves is a gift, one that many Pacific women are valuing more because our stories are different and unique to us. They all have value and we are so much more than the oftentimes flat portrayals common in Western media. I think oftentimes Western media like to portray us a certain way. That's always uh, a narrative that we see rolled out time and time again. And not to say because that we do have our issues that and um, things that we need to obviously address and and come together and speak to as as people. Um, but also, you know, we're, we're just as joyous. We have so much love to give. We have so much joy to experience and and to give to the world. And I mean, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. And that's what I want to experience. And that's what I want my sisters, please, that's what I want my sisters to experience, you know. For Akanisi and Wendy, understanding how our rituals evolve in relation to our identities involves acknowledging that culture is ever-changing, evolving, as it should be, says Wendy. Culture is fluid. And I think a lot of us do understand and accept that, but sometimes there can be a bit of a blockage in that department where that, oh, you know, that's that's against our culture. That's not who we are as people. But I think like what we need to come to understand is that culture is meant to be fluid. It's meant to be dynamic. It's meant to shift and change with its people. You know, we are constantly evolving. We are changing. Like nothing about us is stagnant. And if it was stagnant, then I would be worried. We are not an anthropological project, guys. 
We are living and breathing. And every time we go out into the world, every time we step into a boardroom, we step on stage, we step into an office, the hell, step on a bus. You know, we we bring all that with us. You know, it, it's it's not, like I said, it's not something that's separate from us. This realization influences Wendy's work, breaking down the imaginary walls that are often placed between our culture, our traditions, the need to be separate and specific. She sees things differently now. Cultures evolve. They should. And we can honor our cultures through rituals that evolve too, that rather than erode culture, help build it, nourish it, and keep it alive. Personally, it kind of shifted the way that I practiced my art. And in that shift, I feel, is also the way that I practice my culture because my culture lives in my art. Particularly in the pandemic, it forced us to kind of reevaluate and really look into ourselves. There was a lot of introspection happening during that point. And I think, and, and it needed to happen. It needed to happen. And I think part of that also shaped the way that we told our stories, the way that we sang our songs, the way that we wrote books, the way that we wrote poetry. And a lot of that art is actually cultural practice for Pacific Islanders. It's always like, oh, like traditional dancing is over here and then, and then, uh, and then everything else is separated. No, cultural practice, uh, the way that our culture lives is through our songs and our dancing and through our performance art. That's, that's when our culture is the most alive. You know, and so we practice our culture every time we, we sing, every time we dance. Culture is meant to shift and, and, and change and evolve because culture is us as people. We are not stagnant. We are not museum pieces. That's not what our ancestors wanted for us as well. And so we have a responsibility to continually shift that pulse, to continually evolve. Wendy is reimagining a world with Pacific people at the centre. This is very much the lives that thriving Pacific communities are used to, and we need more of it, to see ourselves as the norm, as the mainstream, without the need to explain or justify ourselves. Instead, to take up space and be joyful about who we are and who we are becoming. When I write and when I create, I reimagine a world where you and I and all our family and all our people we are the pulse and we are the center. There is no wanting to explain like why we're here or wanting to apologize for being here. No, we are the normal. We are the mainstream. We are the center. And we have always been the center. Every time I see young Pacific Islanders just acting in that way, it gives me so much joy. It fills me up with so much joy and so much pride. Like Wendy, Akanisi sees the bigger picture. We are individuals. We also contain multitudes. And as our family and community rituals evolve, whether because of the pandemic or just with the passage of time, both those seemingly conflicting realities remain true. We represent not only ourselves as individuals, we also bring our people with us. We don't act as individuals and, you know, not all the time. You're a representation of you know, your village, your Matangali, your where you come from. And, and so even on these occasions in birth, deaths and marriages, when they really had to 
limit the numbers that one person that did come was representing 45 people that couldn't make it because of the borders were closed you know that was important as well like if you know the numbers are not indicative of how much you were loved like especially if the numbers were limited they were they they were just a representation of the many that couldn't be there but were there in other ways Akanisi has observed the unique challenges of celebrating your rituals and identity in a country where you are in the minority. There are many factors involved and there are nuanced differences between how Fijians at home and in the diaspora approach rituals. I know having lived overseas um when you're in a community and it's quite concentrated and you're together you're celebrating functions or you're performing rituals um because you're from different provinces it's quite intense because you're far away from home um and and that's the connection that you can share with your children and you know your family and those around you so it's very different for the for the diaspora because my experience was obviously 10 years ago um but uh, but from what i have viewed from being overseas like it's quite intense because it's you know you're you're concentrated in a in a town your your rituals are really that connection that your children have and your family have with home it's a point of comfort um as well to ensure that your traditions and your culture stay alive and your children see it because you know they're living in a in in a society that's not you know being ethiopian is not the mainstream as they are evolving abroad they are changing too at home yeah in Fiji um i think it's changed because uh, or it will change because people will adapt to changes to resources but still keep the qualities that are important so so the rituals we perform are part of our identity but they're not like the be all and end all we're, we're so much more on different levels there eh? those different traits come forth in the things you perform on a daily basis like you know having a meal with a parent um listening to them having a conversation making time there's rituals in all things that we do you know it's not we're not confined to a special occasion our cultures are indeed a part of us once culture is so deeply ingrained you often don't realize how it affects your behavior in different spaces and we abide by complex rules of behavior often without realizing it as akanisi observes with your family there you'll see like there's an order of conversation there's you know how you speak your language changes and i tell my students this all the time like you know when you're standing outside in the corridor and cackling to high heaven bring that loud energy into the classroom and talk to me when i'm asking you a question <laughs> or you know if not cuz i'll get like little whispers and like or like everybody avoids eye contact when i'm asking them a question um we are that way because our identity is so imbued with these traits that it comes in comes across in everything we do eh? there is tension there but it can be healthy and there are ways that we can draw strength from change use it as fuel for progress rather than resist change to our detriment it's an ongoing struggle and i and i hope that you know by the last year of uni that they've been able to those qualities the, the qualities are quite um useful and we've had to you know we've especially in law classes you kind of have to 
normalize that, you know, you to be an advocate, you need to speak up. You need to be critical of the information that's coming to you. Um, you can ask questions. Those things are quite important. And then at the same time, even I myself am torn between the fact that like, because the profession is like that, huh? the, the profession is, you know, derived from the Western world and the rituals within the profession are that way that you have to speak up, but they also require you to, you know, be silent and respectful, especially when you're in court, that you're a servant to the court and all of these things. So we, I, it's really, um, it's a task to marry those two things together that you can actually realize that the traits from your culture are quite useful within the legal profession and, and other professions as well. I mean, I can only speak to the legal profession, but at the same time, you have to know when to use it. We've always been about sending messages through our silence. And, you know, I'm telling students, if you have an issue, you know, in your personal life that's, you know, affecting your work, you need to let us know so that we can help you help yourself. But, you know, in, in that situation, your silence is not useful to you. We had a tough time convincing guests to join us on this episode. Rituals and identity can be daunting topics. Everyone seemed to feel someone else was more qualified. And the qualified people are, of course, highly in demand. My thing is, blow all that out of the water and just start from who you are as, as you are now and as you, as you always have been. Because there's actually nothing wrong with who you are. That's what I would say to younger generation is when you go into all new spaces, and you're meant to be there. You're meant to be there and you're meant to take up space and do it knowing that all your ancestors have got your back. But if you live and breathe as a person of the Pacific, navigating a complex world every day, figuring out how to express yourself and show your family and friends that you care, marking milestones that are important, you're qualified too. So in terms of our rituals, it's not just the traditional, the gestures, but like, you know, and, and the rituals, but also... Like I said, it's in everything that we do. Eh? We're always there for each other, like being present in little ways. And eh? that's really important, I think. And that I think that holds us together. We're all works in progress, ever evolving, just like our rituals. At least, as our guests Wendy and Akanisi have shown, we get to decide what direction we want to go in and how we can preserve our values with pride and confidence, however things change. We can recognize the ways in which we are great the ways in which we can change, we can take up space without apology. If you're listening to this episode, you've made Vossa a small part of your life. And if you've been joining us here and there throughout seasons one and two, thank you for being a part of our community. I am so grateful to the brilliant Wendy Moke of PNG and Akanisi Nambalarua Vakawalitambua of Fiji for joining us for this episode to reflect on rituals and identity. If you'd like to learn more about the brilliant projects they're a part of, check out our show notes. We've reached the end of season two, and it has been an amazing ride. We couldn't have done this without our listeners. Thanks to you, Vossa has reached thousands of listeners across 80 countries. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on social media or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you're looking for more great Pacific stories between now and the start of season three, be sure to follow the World Bank in the Pacific Facebook page. Thank you for letting me be a part of the storytelling journey. It has truly been a joy. 
I am off on a new adventure, and wherever I go, inspired by the reminders of our two wise guests this episode and all our guests this season, I will be taking my ancestors with me. I'll be taking up space with joy, with courage, and with no apologies. I hope and trust wherever you are, you are doing the same too. Vossa is also starting a new chapter. This has been an amazing platform for storytelling that truly leads with stories and places specific people and their experiences at the center. The Vossa team is looking for a new host for season three. Could that be you or someone you know? Register your interest by messaging the Vossa team on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook by the 1st of October, 2022. It was an honor to be part of season two, and wherever Vossa goes next, I will be listening in and cheering them on. Mo de manda and sota tale. <laughs>